Captain Picard, priority one message from Starfleet coming in on secure channel. Am I ready, Roman? Longest running and self-proclaimed best Star Trek The Next Generation rewatch podcast. Ours is coming at you every week with behind-the-scenes stories and hidden lore about the series that you're feeling kind of okay about. My name is Mitchell Mells, Chief Consultant of Services at Paramount Studios, and with me is my life partner, Brandon Hobbs. How are we doing on this hot summer day? Well, Mitch, um, I gotta say, having trouble sleeping recently. I know, I notice you are too. Yeah, it's... um. It's a lot of things. It's a confluence of things that's uh, keeping mm-hmm. me up. Um, not mm-hmm. not the least of which is, uh, you know, well, somebody's snoring, but, you know. All right, well. For um, another time. Mm-hmm. Well, personally, personally, um, I have trouble sleeping because I'm just so excited uh, about not just the next generation, but, um, you know, our, our work upcoming um on 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 picard here yeah picard too um yeah yeah um there's there's a lot of crazy things happening for trek these days there is did did you hear that uh they finally settled on what the localized name would be for the next season of picard in japan what's that uh nikard so look forward to that it's uh Okay. okay we've been burning the midnight oil on that one uh so as as many creative people have been to Give mm-hmm. the audience um, something brand new that is completely familiar to them, and uh, I hope they appreciate our our efforts. Because well, yeah, I mean, um, they better. I'm excited for it. I'm excited. Yeah, it's it's going to be great. We might um, we might do a little special on that. Ooh, we might. What do you think about that? I love it, and I love the idea of doing it from the from the set, not behind the scenes, from the scenes. Yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Mm. yeah absolutely it, so um it's it's I like think yeah hmm? oh, go ahead. oh go ahead oh, okay i will i'll go ahead it's it's like you're a kid and you know it's like oh i have to only go to sleep 30 more times until christmas morning right and, right and now it's like man i only have to go to sleep like 20 more times until i can get um ignored by patrick stewart it'll be great right right yeah marking that down on our calendar um our, our shared calendar our shared trek calendar mhm mhm yeah with um you, you you know how they are with the little pictures of the cast and yeah. stuff um which <clears throat> we are selling on our store by the way mm. um you'll never guess who march of... is i mean you'll you you can guess but the audience oh yeah i was i was confused for a minute <laughs> no, it's it's a pitch to the audience. You'll never guess who March yes, is, yes, and then they're yes. they're like, "Oh, I really I want to know. I got to go buy it." You will you will never guess who March is. Yeah, so um, that's our store. It's actually um, it's like behind the scenes pictures that that we personally took. Mm. Um, really, really uh, high quality stuff. You know, we we had you know good cameras and stuff back then. I mean, you probably didn't. The audience, um, you you probably didn't. Um, but if you were in the industry. Uh, yeah, being in the industry, it kind of puts you a few levels above the average person. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, take a look at that. 
and I promise all the days are there. I counted. So you know you're getting a good product. People don't think about that when, when you have to make a calendar, just how much work goes into, because you, know, you have to factor in, you got to remember all the, all the days of the month, right? right? All the months, um, first of all. All the months, yeah. And then you have to make sure that the date is falling on the right day, right? Have you ever bought a calendar where all the months start on Sunday? Oh, yeah. All the time, yeah. right? Unbelievable. How does this even happen? It's a lack of oversight and a lack of caring about the craft, mm -hmm. I, I think. Yeah. So, I mean, we, we put a lot of effort into this calendar. We put a lot of work, a lot of time, a lot of blood, sweat, and tears. Um, so, yeah, we, we, would, we would greatly appreciate it if you could, um, you could check it out. See, I developed a, a secret for um, calendar making, which I guess in a podcast exclusive I can share with the audience. Hmm. Um, I made a little mnemonic. And this took, I was almost done with the project by the time I figured this out. But if I ever need to do it again, or if you need to do it, audience, you'll appreciate this. So 30 days have September, April, June, and November. The rest of 31, and then February has some amount of days, depending on the year. Mm. Mm. But that's, that's really good. It's helpful. It's handy. Yeah. Um yeah, I, I especially like how the the first half rhymes, um, and the second doesn't. It's kind of like a cool dichotomy, right? That that really makes it stick in your brain. Yeah, it's it's that jarring element of it that that stops mm -hmm. you from forgetting mm -hmm. it. So it's um, wow. That's a free insider's tip, and I hope you, you should uh, you, you should you should patent that. I I'm thinking about it. I might copyright it, patent it, um, stick it in a stew. I'm not sure. But it's, to me, you can't own an idea, right? Mm -hmm. You put mm -hmm. it out there, you let it fly away, maybe it comes back to you. And if it doesn't, it wasn't meant to be. Um, yeah, if, if you love it, let it go. Exactly. Right? If you let, it, let it go somewhere else. Mm -hmm. yeah. So we'll see where this idea comes home to roost whether with me, with somebody else, with other calendar right. makers. Um, do you know mm -hmm. the word for a calendar maker? It's a chronologist. The word for calendar maker. It's a chronologist. Chronologist. Yes. Is that true? Yeah. I, I went and added it to our business cards. Oh. Well, I, yeah, I guess, I guess that does make us chronologists, huh? Exactly. Exactly. Wow. Wow. I've never been a chronologist before. How does it feel? Um, I, don't, I don't know. Different. It, you wake up on a different side of the bed when you're a chronologist. You put your pants on two legs at a time. Yeah, I mean, time, the flow of time just feels so different for me now, now that, that we've done this project. Hmm. Um, it's kind of, it's, yeah, it's like not linear almost, you know? To me, it's like when somebody tells you, oh, you're, you're now aware of your breathing and you, you feel mm -hmm. like you're, um, you know, the physical exertion of breathing rather than doing it secondhand. With this, now I am aware of the moments as they pass and I feel like I can right. expand or contract them as I see fit. Um, right. You're, you're, you're consciously aware that, um, for example, today is Sunday. Exactly. Right. Which is mind-boggling it's uh 
def a very different experience from the 80s where you know you'd go to a party and then you'd wake up and it would be like three days later and mm-hmm. you know who knows what happened you could call your assistant yeah she'd come with with food and clothes and um a little more fuel to keep you going if you know what i mean mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. three right, more days right yeah the uh <laughs> and we won't get into that anyway this is a family podcast it is it is and the greatest addition to our family is the question of the week because it gets to include all of our children in the processes which is our mm-hmm. lovely ensigns out there and in, in podcast land and uh this one comes from jose in mexico city oh, yo jose. jose yeah i hope uh, yo jose yo jose we hope you're doing well uh jose asks um oh it's this one uh what is picard's favorite season and uh i think that this one's without a doubt the worst question we have ever received we've gotten terrible non-questions before but in the realm of a question this is the bottom of the barrel like Mm -hmm. i have i don't really know what goes through people's heads when they think that it's okay for me to waste others time asking about banal nerd shit that nobody cares about nobody thinks about that doesn't even it's not even worth the the brain cell power expended to to consider it um Mm -hmm. here's a newsflash newsflash that many people out there might need fictional characters they're not real they don't have opinions it doesn't matter if it doesn't serve the story those then it doesn't exist their cards never season their favorite season never factored into the story so he doesn't have one that's just how it is Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. um i do yeah and that, that's that's a hard pill to swallow, is. isn't it it is it's like oh if if picard was you know living in our time would he be a manchester united fan or a narcissist <laughs> oh my god we used to get those all the time remember yes it's like man i don't uh, i don't care about highlight right right well you know it's um as as an audience member i guess you look at these characters and you say well you know here, here are all my friends um my only friends even you, and uh you look at some when, characters when they're not like, real it's like it's crazy you look at some characters like Riker, and you're like wow he's just like me right uh, i do and he's 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 not <laughs> he's, he's not i don't know if that's better for you or or not <laughs> depends on who you are but my my answer to this question uh is actually twofold one is for the love of God, find a hobby that satisf- satisfies you that's not just consuming Star Trek. Good lord, you need it mm-hmm. if this is the level that you're at. Two, mm-hmm. even if I was going to seriously consider this question, it doesn't even make sense within the lore, because Picard is 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 French, he's English, with French heritage, so I'm not exactly sure, but he's from Europe. And as we all know, Japan is the only country that experiences all four seasons, so Picard wouldn't mm-hmm. even really have an opinion on a favorite season. So the question, just even unto itself, taken seriously, makes no sense. Right. And uh, what what better way to spot someone uncultured than uh, than this question? Right. It's it's a real uh, putting your foot in your mouth moment. Mm-hmm. And I guess that's just Mexican education for you. Mm, yeah. It's it's unfortunate. And you know that's. I'm not going to get into this on the on the podcast. No. No, but uh, Jose, 
you know, it, your your country's not going to do it for you, so you got to educate yourself. Do do better. Don't come to me mm-hmm. with this. You want to come back with a redemption question? That's insightful. Maybe I'll consider it. I'll look at your Patreon level, and uh, we'll go from there. Yeah, but I, I do want to stress that um, we are not required to do the emotional labor for you. Right. Okay. Um, it's not our job to educate you. Right, right. You need to um, perhaps do multiple Google searches. Mm. Um, or, you know what, even better, you can you can go to Twitter and um, just, you know, make make a tweet and then um, whatever someone says, the, the, the first person who answers you, just take their opinion as fact and, and roll with it. Just listen. Open your ears and listen. Right, right. Yeah, stop talking for a minute, and you know, try to try to try to take this all in, you know, from from people's lived experiences, you know, because you certainly don't have any. I'm so tired. Oh, it's exhausting, y'all. So, if you at home have a question that you want us to answer, you can send it to theReadierRoom at gmail.com or tweet at us at theReadierRoom. And we'll take a look at it, and if it's good, we'll we'll answer it. Anything you want to know about Star Trek, or TNG, or uh, the the daily life of a chronologist, we'll answer you. So, today is a very exciting day in mm-hmm. in our schedule because we're on to season two now. We are. So we are. We are. And before we talk about the the premiere episode of season two, we might as well talk about that um, interim period, the end of season one and the beginning of season two, um, mm-hmm. what had to go on there. And it was very, very fly by night in a lot of ways, whereas you might expect it to be, okay, let's get the preparation going, let's get the scripts written, let's... Um, start all our prep work on it not the case it was very much let's just relax i don't know how we got renewed it probably won't last that long let's just get kind of a free ride vacation here do a little bit amount of work and we come back and uh that's it um which was great if you were on that payroll because you basically just had several months of off time to just go to hollywood parties and stuff yeah yeah and if you're a hot number like Jonathan Frakes, um, you're the life of those parties, and no amount of work is gonna uh, hold you down. Certainly. So we got up to a lot of trouble during that time, but we lived to tell the tale. <laughs> oh man, that's uh, that's 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 a good Patreon podcast, isn't it? It is. It is. It's that'll just be tales of a uh, '80s Hollywood nightlife. That's not the punchiest yeah. title, but it is the most accurate. Right, right. A lot of white leisure suits and uh, and a little bit of white something else. You know what I mean? Mm, a lot, a lot of white something else. A lot of white something else, especially. If and then even more of a white something else. Ooh, ooh, ooh. Ooh. Baby, those are definitely for the the X-rated podcast. So after, you know, the the summer of our lives of uh, living it up, finally became time to, to come back to work and, and uh, 
<laughs> much to our chagrin much to our add. chagrin you don't realize how nice it is to go several weeks at a time without hearing the word holodeck mm -hmm. oh yeah and you know especially because the the first season was really an astounding success i, I don't think we expected it to be that way at all like like you said um but even even with just the first season we were all kind of finding ourselves a lot wealthier yes which is the most important thing to find yourself right yeah that's that is absolutely where you do want to find yourself more than anything um and so you know with this newfound wealth what else do you do um but party oh, and yes. you know we had enough left over that no one really had to go back to work. Yeah. You know, you could have, it was a situation where you could ride on either your savings or, um, you know, syndication credits for mm -hmm. a lo long amount of time, especially with proper, um, investing, which nobody did. Um, nobody, <laughs> no, nobody <laughs> thought about the long-term ramifications of their actions. And uh, the brightest candles burn out, or something like that. Um, yeah, you almost got it. Almost got it. And it was the realization of that, the, the lack of investment and the unsustainability, even for another month or so, that really convinced everybody to reconvene and continue what we started. Right. And so TNG continued um into into its second season and ultimately leading up to a full seven <laughs> and uh yeah we we really had no idea what the ramifications of that were going to be i mean look where we find ourselves now yeah i want to go back yeah me too me too um if if anyone tells you that that things um today are better than they used to be they're absolutely lying so so the first episode of season two is called The Child. The Child. And it um, reads, watches like an erotic fan fiction. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, well, funny you say that, actually, because um, the, the concept for this actually came from, from one of Gene's old notebooks, you know, where, where he wrote like all of his erotic fiction yes. ideas and stuff like that. Um, for the audience track was, or, or Gene before track was, was actually a, uh, a pretty prolific, I would say, um, smut writer for lack of a better word. Right. Um, he, he wrote for, for decades and I mean, the times being what they were, it was always under a different pseudonym, right? Um, Vladimir Novikov, uh, Judy Bloom. Um, the list just goes on and on and on and on. And, uh, um, you know, owing to the fact that no one had prepared for this season, right? Um, you know, we, it, it wasn't just us, right? It was the writers, it was the, the directors, the producers. Um, no one had any idea what was going on um so i can't remember who it was um rick probably that pulled this out right. of uh out of gene's desk um thumbed through it and said hey 
here's a good one. Um, and this this was a well we'd actually come back to quite often. Uh, you know, like for example, when when the writers just didn't feel like working. Yeah, yeah, um, and you can with that knowledge you can pick these episodes out pretty easily. Yeah, yeah, um, but yeah, it 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 does definitely feel. I mean, when you look at it from you know the standpoint of it being a Trek episode, it definitely feels like fan fiction. It also just feels ridiculous in a lot of ways. Um, the So the conceit of this episode, as you would guess by the title, is that there's a child. Um, Troy gets pregnant and gives birth, and there's a child. It grows up, and it dies. And then credits roll. Um, it's so puzzling because no part of this episode and I, I know i'm kind of jumping all around here but no part of this episode really has a point to it this whole child angle plot thread goes and it doesn't go anywhere um right right the 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 b plot doesn't really matter either it's only there to lend like some abstract sense of danger to the proceedings and well, so so the the issue is that the kid is having an effect on Whatever they're carrying is. Am I right about that? Yeah, it's the kid is introducing some amount of radiation, which uh, activates. It's, it's just it's just so so loosely connected, so lazily connected. Right, and the, the the whole the biggest problem with all this is that no character in this episode goes through any kind of arc, um, not even a side character. There's no um, overarching plot to all of this. Right, right. Um, there, it's not an emotional episode between with troy and like her dealing with motherhood that's one way they could have taken it and it's like oh um oh no, my child that i'm growing to love is he has to die because he's gonna kill everybody on board with this radiation uh how do i deal with this emotionally mm -hmm. that's you know that's an episode that you could write um there's it's it's just it feels so incredibly pointless. Everything here does. Yeah, yeah. Um, it, it is all pointless. And um, as far as the story goes, none of the characters act like themselves. No. For the most part. No. And it starts off in a really weird way where... I, I don't know if where where it, it opens with the Enterprise and and its child. <laughs> I I was thinking that why are there two Enterprises? Is this a special effects uh, mistake? <laughs> Hope someone got fired for that. Um, it's it it opens up with the seemingly with the assumption that nobody has seen season one and we need to establish every single one of our characters. Mm -hmm. Um. And some of them have gone through, like, very, very moderate changes from the first season. For example, Jordy's now the chief engineer. Worf's now wearing a yellow shirt, which, um, you don't, you don't realize... It's, it's a big change. You don't, you don't realize how much you missed that until it, until it well, comes well, back. Well, I mean, no, we've already discussed this, where it's like, you know, a character not wearing their trademark shirt, suddenly, you know, half the audience can't tell who's who. Exactly, exactly. If Worf wasn't a Klingon... There would be a tons of problems with that change. Mm -hmm. 
Um, and and Riker's got a beard. Riker does have a beard. <laughs> it's it's finally happened. He's he's not yet two cakes, but he has become beard. <laughs> yeah, he's he's slowly he's slowly transforming. In uh, the first couple minutes of this episode, we see him in his uh, constant flagrant disregard for proper sitting etiquette. Yep. Yep. He loved doing that, Freaks. Is this the first time that that happened? Can't be. It's not, no. Are you sure? Pretty positive. I'm pretty sure he did it. Um... He did it. Oh, nah, never mind. I, I can't remember, but I swear he's already done it. I, I don't think he has. We're going to have to play back the tapes. We're going to have to watch every single episode again. Yeah, just when we thought we were out of season one. <laughs> you know, pulling us back in. If this is the start of that, then I think that's a very, very uh, monumentous, monumental occasion for, yeah. uh, for track. If if it is the start of it, yeah, I agree. But uh, I don't think it is. So now the cool thing about the first few scenes of this episode <coughs> is that it quickly becomes apparent uh, how the budget was was increased between seasons one yeah. and two. Yeah, there's yes, so, it looks so much better. It looks so much better, and there are several new sets um, mm -hmm. added to uh, you know the the lore of the enterprise there's like a nursery is some kind of school set there's the bar uh 10 forward um there's a lot of things that you can tell even though the the characters are the same and the the costumes are the same you can look at it and be like yeah this is a season two episode which is great yeah absolutely season one looked like garbage now the coolest thing the coolest addition i think is um kind of a the actualization of what tng was always supposed to be uh mm -hmm. and of course i'm referring to the doctor character um right now the name had to be changed to uh explain like the different appearance but as for the look of the character it was always supposed to be like that kind of uh look those that makeup that we see in there um yeah this kind of like old hard look yeah now when we were budgeting for season one and we got our makeup budget. We're like, okay, we need to do Worf every episode, and we need to do Data. How are we going to get the the makeup necessary to get Gates looking like this? And uh, there just wasn't enough money, so we just kind of ran with it. And Gates just, you know, was herself. wasn't wasn't the original vision. Uh, Jean was very very annoyed that you know a redhead was featured in such a principal role. Mm -hmm. Jean and his you know ginger vitriol is pretty legendary. <laughs> it certainly is but with season two we finally had enough you know, enough of a budget increase where we could say all right gates you along with brent and michael are going to go into makeup every day for i think it was an average of like four hours in the morning and uh you're gonna become this new doctor what mm -hmm. the name was supposed to be crusher from the beginning it's like okay crusher is kind of a hard name this doctor uh personality is yeah. kind of a hard ass um but you know that that could be let go to get the look that that Gene had always wanted, and um, now we reintroduced the Doctor character under a new uh, identity, and uh, it it worked. I don't know how it worked in this episode. What is, what is your opinion of uh, Pulaski? 
Well, um, first of all, I got to say, um, Gates's range here is incredible. That's true. Um, you can barely tell it's the same person. And makeup, probably the best thing they've ever done. I think so. You compare this makeup to, like, I don't know, the Traveler. And right, right. Those stupid lizard and dog people. But I've always liked this doctor. Uh, and I know a lot of people really don't. Um, I think we, we were talking off mic earlier, and I, I, I said something about how they were they were probably going for like a more of a more of a bones type character. Hmm. And uh, and I said what? <laughs> uh, you know, o- only only uh, me having seen a couple episodes of the original series here but they've i mean i think that's pretty clearly what what was going on here and um uh, i don't know i think she she has like a, a certain kind of dynamic with the rest of the crew that um obviously you didn't get with crusher and um i think has its own merits i don't know um this episode not really great but i think i think she goes on to to do some interesting things if i remember correctly there's certainly some good points to her uh introduction here i like how her very first line is just shutting down picard (laughs) yeah picard's like doctor i don't know how you did things on your ship but on this ship we respect protocol and she's like just sit the fuck down we gotta gotta talk about this (laughs) um which is cool and uh, she has a more, rather a less tolerant uh, relationship with Data. Um, right. Culminating one of the worst scenes of all time. Um, oh, yeah, yeah. The uh, the old, the old Data-Data bit. Yeah, because that needed to happen. Um, I, I, this, it's a little, the scene's too inside baseball for me. Yeah, yeah, I can't imagine an audience member would get that. Right, because you you hear it as the audience member, and you're like, "Wow, you know, how we only have forty three minutes, forty seven minutes in the episode, and you're spending three of them on this." Um, right, right. It's it's a whole petty argument where Data insists his name is Data, and the Doctor insists, or it's like, "I'll call you Data," and then Data's like, "No, my name's Data," and she says, "Oh, wow, you're offended. That's amazing," and Data just you know <laughs> tilts his head like. 45 degrees. <laughs> sounds sounds like your average Twitter conversation. <laughs> so the the reason that's in the episode is because that is a an actual um exchange that took place in the in the writer's room. I almost said the data mm-hmm. room. In the writer's room. Um, <laughs> and the data room. And the data room. So at some point uh during the writing process in the middle of actually towards the end of season one, uh somebody said to someone else, um, isn't it pronounced data and then remember you couldn't look these things up very easily back in the day Mm -hmm. the whole fight breaks out the room's divided into two and um you know we keep coming back to this well but like michael had some wisdom here where he kind of butted in and said well regardless of who's right if you change the name to data the audience will just assume that it's data's android brother or something and yeah yeah we can't just confuse them like that and the data people you know they quickly um acquiesced to it 
And I think the reason the data supporters threw this line into this episode, or rather this conversation, is because the Doctor also ultimately acquiesces. And it's kind of a, a jab at those data people. Yeah, yeah. It's like a little little touchdown dance. Yeah, taste it, really. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, I, is... I was, I was, I was team data for sure. Team data. It's good to be on the right side of history. Mm -hmm. It's, um, it is cool though to see somebody who doesn't just, you know, treat data like this um, lovable child that everybody else does. Yeah, it is nice that uh, yeah, not not everyone has this this, I don't know, sense of wonder um, while talking with this extremely autistic, grown man. It's it's uh, it's like when there's an autistic child, kind of like, you know, flapping his hands around, screaming, and some mm -hmm. sensible adult just like you know strikes him on the back of the head and stop that. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Uh, although, I mean, data is much more likable than your average autistic child. This is true. That's the the wonders of you know Hollywood magic. So but um, yeah, I I guess it's kind of a symptom of Gene's mandates, you know, about not having the bridge crew kind of have any conflict at all between amongst themselves. Um you know, season one being like that. And then this new character gets thrown in. Um, I think, you know, this is kind of, um, Maurice's idea to allow her to kind of butt heads, right? Like she was always going to be this kind of, you know, straight, straight shooter, like very stern character. But I think Maurice really took the chance um, with the introduction of this new character and and kind of geared her towards being more antagonistic towards the bridge crew, which was actually not intended, but has some good results. It does, and it speaks a lot about season one when this minor petty squabble about the pronunciation of a word is the biggest <laughs> conflict that we've seen. It certainly does. I'm not sure if that's a good thing or a bad thing. Probably a bad thing, but... You listen to it, I don't know. and you're like, is, is she a villain? Is she the antagonist? She's arguing. <laughs> I'm supposed to hate her, right? And uh, funny enough, that's why, you know, like 90% of Trek fans do hate her, because the show um, basically primed them to. Yeah, that, and you know, she's a woman. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Well, th there is that problem. I mean, that's... Um... That's that's for another discussion. Uh, that's actually going to be one of one of our panels at um, at TrekCon coming up this year. So um, true. The uh, you know the, the the double Trex chromosome. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So um, yeah, I completely lost track of what we were talking about before we started talking about the data data. Oh, uh, we were bit. talking about um, the, the Pulaski Pulaski. Oh, Pulaski, right? Yeah, yeah in general um yeah and yeah she's i i don't think i don't think we've seen enough of her yet no uh and it's nice that she's in the main cast so we will see more of her but mm -hmm. um it's it's not the type of character that from the impression you get from episode one of season two not the type of character that you feel there will be many stories based around um right you know like 
you have a Riker, and he's he's always in the middle of the action. He can go anywhere. He can basically do anything that the plot needs him to. So he can serve any story that you really need it want him. Mm-hmm. Whereas someone like Pulaski is like this, I don't know, 95-year-old woman just works in the medical bay, which isn't really on camera all that much. Um, what, what is she going to do for the story? Bring people back to life from the dead? I don't know. Yeah, I doubt it. Um, I mean, she's more of a foil anyway, her character, so. That's true. Yeah, I and- will agree with you. I mean, from what I remember, there's probably not much written, you know, for her character, but we'll see. I think you're probably right. There's um a lot. There's something to be said about they've tried to make Crusher in season one act as the foil to Picard on a couple yeah. of occasions, where Picard, for example, at the that drug, those two planets with like the the parasitic relationship with the drugs mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and yeah, yeah yeah um there's that there's there's one more two that i can't quite remember but where picard is like i'm gonna do things by the book crusher as a doctor wants him to have some humanity and the, those two clash um but <laughs> was it to save wesley <laughs> i think so yeah um but the thing is that in those exchanges crusher never really had any kind of um pull or weight to her arguments mm-hmm. because that uh emotional approach doesn't really work with picard who's very by the book so it's right. hard. And, i mean and she's also hopelessly in love with picard as well so you know there's there's a sense of familiarity that picard has and takes for granted with crusher right and because of that it's difficult to take her seriously as as his foil or for those scenes to hold much tension it comes off more as like uh, this whining woman like card just right right push right, her out yeah. of the way and go go follow starfleet regulations whereas mm-hmm. s- somebody like um pulaski seems to meet picard more on his own level and oppose him there Definitely. which is a lot more effective as a, a great point as a character foil yeah i totally agree with that um do you think do you think Dr. Crusher deserved her her post, her new post as the chief the, medical the, the, officer? The, yeah. <laughs> do I think she deserved it? Um well, <laughs> uh, <laughs> well let's 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 seriously think about this. On the one hand, she um showed a pretty uh willingness to disregard Starfleet regulations. On the other hand, she can revive the dead, which, <laughs> as a doctor, is pretty good. That's like the best thing you could possibly do as a doctor. That's the epitome of uh, of, of skill in, in that profession. Uh, so, yeah, I guess she deserved it. <laughs> but she can only selectively revive people. If, um, if, if the plot doesn't serve you know whomever is is dead being brought back to life then she cannot bring them back to life unfortunately well it's it's a matter of perspective if if her bringing somebody back to life does not interfere with the plot then she can do it and right right as, as... so she'd be able to do it all the time exactly <laughs> <laughs> wow that's beautiful it's a uh, true poetry 
Now, but you know, no, no one's, no one's ever coming to the ship and saying, "Oh wow, aren't you Doctor Crusher, the famous scientist who will one day be chief medical officer of Starfleet?" Yeah, she doesn't have much reputation. Like all of yeah, her, she doesn't have any prestige. All of her backstory was tied up in her husband dying and uh, right Picard telling her about it. Like, Meanwhile, oh. you have you have someone like Picard, um, whom people know. Someone like Riker, who people know. Um, wow, that was some like data who people know. That was truly excellent. Picard, whom people know, and Riker, who people know, just covering all your bases. <laughs> just, just trying to make sure I get one of them right. Right, and but you're right. Um, those characters have reputation and pull. Whereas if somebody were to approach Crush like that, they'd be like, "Aren't you're Doctor Crusher? You're the person that Picard delivered bad news to that one time." <laughs> right right and it's it's weird because i often don't think about it but this is a show about what like the best starship in in the federation right it's the flagship i think is that is that what they call it uh that's what you would call it typically in like a like oh, a okay. fleet i don't really know how spaceships work that's, right. a, that's well, an it probably it probably is that <laughs> it probably is that then uh well you know i mean every uh every piece of science fiction the the, the spaceships are just naval ships in, in in the sky so right that's that ties into your favorite thing of being unable to leave behind you know centuries and centuries old earth culture no matter how far we mm -hmm. advance in right, space right. and time well, I actually don't mind that repurposing old naval words for it. It's kind of quaint, and it gives you like a little, a uh, little bit of a connection to it as a an audience member. You can kind of, you know, relate to it in 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 some way. But um... so, do you like it when they're in a space battle, and they get hit, and they're like, "Ah, photon torpedoes have breached our starboard bow," and our poop deck. <laughs> I don't, I don't think spaceships have a poop deck. Probably not. Probably not. They do have a latrine. Um, we need to talk about Whoopi. We do need to talk. Right? Uh, did had she won an Oscar at this time? She had won an Oscar at this point, and um, she'd been wanting to actually get on Trek for a while, and um, so she she. Uh, basically applied through LeVar, uh, because, you know, all these people know each other. Right. And um, he's he's basically the one who got her the, the quote, job, I guess, um, even though, you know, she could have easily done it, you know, come and petitioned for it herself. She could have walked onto set at any point um, unannounced and said, hey, can I be a Star Trek character? And uh, they probably would have made her one. Well, it helps when you look like one. Certainly does. It certainly does. Um, Guinan is great. I like Guinan based on the accumulated knowledge I have of her. Um, <laughs> yeah, I think so too. Yeah. I I don't. <laughs> yeah. I don't think this was the strongest Guinan showing. Right. Um, which is fine. There's a lot going on in this episode, while also there's not very much going on in as far as the plot. But you know, whatever. Um. In her, in this episode, she just exists to counsel Wesley Crusher, but it is good that that role is there of a, um, uh, like, this impartial, 
I I, I was about to say counselor, and I'm like, well, I guess Troy's there, but she doesn't really do her job. I was going to say, she's kind of stealing Troy's job, isn't she? Well, if Troy actually did her job, then this wouldn't be a problem. <laughs> People wouldn't need to go to the bartender. Right. Um, but yeah, Guinan, the coolest parts of Guinan, I think, are the the contrast of her approachable, friendly advice and all those unknowable aspects of her identity and history and right. all that, which create like a pretty intriguing character. Yeah, yeah, and um, th- that is true. And you're kind of left wanting more every time she shows up. Right. Which is a good thing, but uh, I didn't really think about it in this context. But as you just said, I think I think I really do base a lot of my uh, my liking for the character on the actress. Yeah, <laughs> you know, being who she is. She does a great job. Um, she does. It, it's tough to remember that Whoopi Goldberg's a good actress when she spent like i don't know the latter half third of her career just appearing in terrible terrible films <laughs> um i i like that she kind of you know in the same way that the new doctor is a foil for picard so is so is guinan right she's obviously like if if you had to rank you know these characters in terms of wisdom you know Guinan would be above Picard definitely uh Picard so it's it's like a chain of command um in a sense that let's say Pulaski would go to Picard to argue some point whereas Picard would go to Guinan to to seek Mm -hmm. advice Mm -hmm. um yeah and she's not necessarily condescending but she approaches their interaction from a place where she clearly knows like you know, like she's she's sort of above him, right? You know, Picard's just a human. Uh, Guinan has seen her race killed by the Borg. Right, right. Guinan is some kind of like uh, a Q thing or something. Yeah, she knows Mark Twain and Q. Oh God, don't even, don't even. <laughs> we're not going there right now. It's hard. I, I mean, I can't think about Guinan without. What do you, what do you think? What Mark do you think Twain. Mark Twain called her? <laughs> I'm not, I can't say that word on the podcast, man. <laughs> oh man. Um but yeah, yeah, good good new character there. Yeah. And she she remains as such for the rest of the series, which that, is great. That's the thing where you have um these characters that are added and you're like, yeah, that's pretty good. This seems interesting. I think you can get something mm-hmm. out of this character. And there's so many good ideas, like I love the new sets and uh then you watch the episode and you think, oh, this is still kind of season one-ish. You know, some stupid yeah. shit happens, doesn't amount to anything. Um, right. Like, what's... Ah, my God. Kind of, kind of. But, I mean... Yeah. There are a lot of obvious improvements here, though. I mean, um... This, speaking of the new sets, I mean, Ten Forward has to be the coolest new addition. Oh, Yeah in terms of that there's a lot to say about 10 forward um it's <laughs> it's place inside of the episodes it's a, a much needed public leisure set 
Um, whereas before, you know, probably any scene that took place in 10 forward would have somebody walking in someone else's bedroom. Um, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. but now right. it's like, okay, they're relaxing on 10 forward and they need yeah. somebody else. It's, it's very useful. Um, and it's very useful, uh, insofar as the plot, also insofar as the budget. So the, the inspiration for 10 forward was that having gained the clout of season one when renegotiating his contract frank stipulated that he needed a place to you know have a drink and relax between shots i, I mean in, mm -hmm. in the contract it says quote shots between shots but i don't know how that <laughs> made it through the, the the lawyer's eyes um but anyway we had the money to do it but that doesn't mean we're just going to incinerate cash and it's like well if we're going to build this what is essentially a bar why don't we make it a set and right. um that's kind of how we got 10 forward which if you didn't know is a fully functioning bar um it's stocked obviously like the more colorful drinks are just props but um underneath the bar set you just you get a pretty good selection there and uh mm. you know i don't know if it was method acting or if gene just shouted at her to do it but sometimes Whoopi goldberg would you know tend that bar for people oh yeah yeah and um Little known fact, uh, Cynthia Hall is actually um, one of Frakes' homebrews. What did he say that he put in it again? Oh, God. Um, I mean, how do, how do you even make alcohol? That's a good question. Something about hops. How do you make beer? Hops. Yeah, you, you, need, you need hops, you need some kind of yeast. Barley? I don't know. But it's true bathtub gin kind of energy. Um, yeah if you it could, was disgusting yeah it's the kind of thing that if you didn't have the constitution of jonathan frakes himself you'd probably go blind but it only mm -hmm. seemed to increase his powers yeah yeah i mean he'd, he'd take a few shots of that and um you wouldn't even be able to tell it, it honestly it impressive he smelled more like onion bagels than he ever did of alcohol i know right which is weird because he absolutely consumes more of the latter. I I know that's surprising. But... I th I think that if you dunk an onion bagel inside of alcohol, it masks the scent. Now that's okay. that's just hearsay. I can't well, there's, for there's that. some um, there's there's a little tip for our for our alcoholic viewers. You know, you have a few drinks, go to work, make sure you uh, follow up with an onion bagel. Yes. Yes. And uh, the luck, the luck, lucky thing for Frakes was that in Hollywood, nobody really cares. You know, you show up drunk. Oh yeah. On a set of some TV yeah. show, it's like who gives a shit. Uh, right. I mean, like like I said, it's part of his contract. It's not like it was a secret that he was drinking. Right, right, right. Although it did make him a better actor, we'll say that it did, and you'll see the results of that if you're watching along with us. Yeah, I mean, soon too. Um. So I guess it's time to like actually talk about this episode, huh? Do we have to? So, um, you know, just just to run through it real quick, we you know we we do have to contend with the Troy pregnancy. Um, so beginning of the episode, um, they're they're loading something onto the Enterprise. I kind of fell asleep. They're loading um, um samples of some highly dangerous something. Thing. Yeah, and. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> they they they're stressing about the protocol of it. Oh, I got to build these containment units so these things don't get out. Um, 
we all have to be on our guard and yeah it's very serious yes um the 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 captain of the baby enterprise uh, um tells Riker, give my regards to your captain and he doesn't do that amazing um i which i didn't notice that but that's great made me wonder though you know when someone tells you like give my regards to you know some mutual acquaintance or or say hi to them do do you follow up on that do you say yeah sure i will and then um and then just not do it i think there's about a 50 percent hit rate yeah for most people yeah um, um we, we see I, a, I would say the same we see a second instance of this request later in the episode where picard asks wesley crusher to give his regards to his mother we don't know the <laughs> results of that one but uh if it's a 50 percent hit rate across the population then you know it's a coin flip yep yep um it's it's nice to see that Riker is is just as human as we are yeah although um, it's it's not difficult to feel a little less human when you're compared to jonathan frakes yeah that, that adonis yeah so, so the the we're treated to this little ball of light effect that's flying around the enterprise right apropos with a, of nothing with with a tinkling whoosh yes which is subtitled and, um, <laughs> and um so it, it flies past the Riker and Geordi stand-ins um and makes its way to Troy's room where it well it seems it, to yeah it it does take a pit stop at the the at a man with the world's hairiest chest oh that's right that's right yeah yeah I forgot about that the way that um, shot was framed the light caught on each strand of hair in, in it's the... glowing yes um but yeah eventually it ends up climbing up troy's birth canal um and uh let me say first that that getting marina pregnant for the episode was was i mean as you might expect uh, a, a bit of a hassle right yeah um and you know then of course we had to wait another four or five months just to film the rest of it so um that was already kind of kind of an issue going into this episode and it really made me wonder why we why we even went ahead with it but whatever um i think the results speak for themselves i mean <laughs> from a certain point of view that's for sure any any marina fans out there definitely had a good time with this episode um so yeah it, it it somehow impregnates her um and which is no she seems yeah it, it, i was just about to say that she seems so in tune with the fact that she is pregnant um not even second guessing oh um has this ball of light impregnated me maybe not um maybe i'm just assuming no she knows um i, I like to, she's gonna keep it i like to picture um troy like with a with a baby that's born and it's crying and she's just like it's hungry oh wait maybe it's just tired i don't really know and... <laughs> <laughs> it uh she she is able to to pinpoint these wildly specific emotions yes um from from a baby yeah, given her, her power set, her beta's. You're angry set. because Worf said you should be aborted. 
um, which you know is funny when you think about the fact that um, you know Worf and Troy will have the relationship that they 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 come to have, and um, just a couple of years prior, Worf had told Troy that he wants to kill her unborn child. Yeah, do you think they, they <laughs> talked about that? Maybe they're having pillow talk, and Troy's like, hey, you remember that time you kept insisting I should abort my child? So I, I looked it up, actually, uh-huh. because I had to know. And um, it is in a novel. What is? The, the conversation. No way. <laughs> it is. <laughs> Good lord. Do you know the, the well, because content? You know... You know every I, I actually tried to find like a free ebook of it, but um there was no way I was paying eight dollars for it just to just to read the line. Um although maybe that's coming, you know, like as as a little segment, because these things just sound like like gold mines, these stupid books. So um but but y- you know every single diehard Trek fan when the time came for them to start their little relationship, Troy and Worf. Um, they all instantly jumped back to this scene. Yes. Like, like they, 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 they had like a vision of it and like started breathing heavily. Um, you know, how could they not bring this up? How is she okay with it's, it's, uh, it's almost rapey, you know? Now the real drama would have been when Worf gets Troy pregnant and the discussion of what to do with that child. Right. The mongoloid, um, halfling. I like to think that in Klingon culture, um, you automatically, attempt an abortion on any child and if the child survives like it fights back then it's it's worthy oh, of, yeah. of being a klingon that's pretty cool that that's really i like that that's going to be my new headcanon yeah yeah as the kids say so really when worf is suggesting an abortion it's more of the rite of passage it's like oh it's right. a warrior's birth Right. It's it's a cultural thing and um you know as we all know culture is subjective and right it's relative. a society yeah it's 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 relative so a society that kills its unborn children um unless unless they're able to jump out of the womb and stab you is is just as valid as you know our civilization really. I was really so they, I was really interested in the the details of birth in star trek because it's like surely i know how weird this sounds um surely at this point in the you future, can't be serious at this point in the future there's got to be like an extremely easy way to give birth right they're not just yeah they're not just like tearing vagina asunder what you think they have pot babies or something well i mean you know they already you have perfected the the C section. Surely that's gone somewhere. Oh yeah, yeah, and they they can like heal those kinds of injuries immediately too. So right, so it's like all right, we'll put this person under. Although you know, you're you're the the C section actually kind of um, isn't good for the baby because it's it's supposed to pass through the canal in order to get like the the bacteria from the mom and stuff. Huh. Um. So well, so C section babies actually have a I'm sorry? She can just spit on it or something? Hey, I guess. Why didn't anyone ever think of that? That's a good question. Um, but anyway, sorry. G- g- go on. Um, no, I was just kind of interested in that, to see, like, oh, what kind of futurism would we get here? 
and uh <laughs> turns out it's nothing yeah no um but but you did get to learn about the uh the gestation period of a betazoid yeah which is sus- suspiciously close to um humans by the way mm-hmm. i don't know why this has come up but apparently if you ask your average like american how long does a baby take to birth how how long will they say one year what no what oh i i thought it was a trick question and people are stupid no 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 no, no just what's your image nine months okay now if you ask a japanese person what their image is what will they say one year <laughs> they say 10 months what yeah i know um suspiciously like the betazoids um huh wow really makes you think huh and they all have black eyes too yeah yeah it's very strange but it is interesting to me i you know and you could have made a betazoid gestation period anything why do you got to make it basically the same as as humans well, I mean, because they're very humanoid. I mean, they they look exactly the same. It would have been weird if, if Betazoids were wildly different. They can read minds! That's it! That's the only thing that separates them! And their stupid black eyes. Yeah, I, they're, they're disgusting, hairy fucking apes. Of mostly water. <laughs> <laughs> what a callback, Mitch. Oh my god. <laughs> So yeah, the the entire crew, I guess, the bridge crew gets to have a say. They 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 sit in on this little meeting. Yeah, that's great. Um, Love that. Where um, I mean, first of all, I have to say just just to sort of address the elephant in the room here. Um, a lot of fans, insofar as as the the, the entire episode goes, they they tend to theorize that it's like an allegory for abortion, right? And um that this this scene in the meeting room right there's there's like this footage being played in the background um that's i mean it's it's abstract right it's like futuristic stuff right and um they this certain subset of fans is like insistent that this is actually uh, an image of a fetus that a real fetus that was subsequently aborted um you know there's all those youtube theory videos floating around there for for everything um when it comes to trek so right uh i'm sure you've seen some of them but i just i just have to say i mean i will admit that it does kind of look like a fetus if you squint just a little bit um but this this whole rumor is completely baseless and honestly it's insulting to me well i mean everybody knows that um you know trek is not it's had some wild ideas, but it's not just gonna yeah. go dive into that in primetime television on your season open. No, no, no. You know, especially not not something as radical as as abortion. I mean, this this is a very pro life show. I would say it is. We always had the motto on set. You know, Star Trek's a family show by families mm-hmm. for families about families that are related to families and Mm -hmm. we stuck by that on every level of the production um we didn't proclaim it so loudly such as to alienate people but at the same time we definitely were not uh advocating for anything that might oppose 
that moral center. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, so that's that's why you see, obviously, Worf suggests um, they should abort the child, and um, Troy says, "No, I am keeping it." You know, she says, "No, and... I will not kill him." <laughs> and um, uh, Riker's there. Love Riker in this scene. Love, love his his loud demanding. Who's the father? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, still can't get a grasp on what their relationship is here because then you know he goes and and watches his wife's son being born and he's very happy about it. He watches it from outside the room, and then did he? Yeah, because what happens is that oh, I guess he would have to be outside the room, yeah. Right, but her, she, she's there, of course, the doctor's there, and Worf's there, which is the complete party that you need to deliver a baby. Foreshadowing Worf delivering uh, Keiko O'Brien's baby in the future, by the way. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's true. <laughs> um, but afterwards, the door opens, and uh, Troy says something to the effect of, oh, I knew you were here, I knew you were watching, and then Riker comes in. Yep. He's like, oh, yep. it's uh, I don't, I don't know what he said. He says something stupid. It's like, oh, it sure is a baby. Whatever. <laughs> Here's the thing. Did did Pulaski ever say the sex of the baby? I don't know if I missed the no, line, but I, I don't, I don't think so. No. I have the feeling that Troy gave it a, a boy's name without ever being told it's it's sex. <laughs> well she just knows you know she can feel these things ah uh, that's true um she is very perceptive she just knew she was pregnant she knew um what impregnated her she knew that everything would be fine if she had it um so which you know it was what like a three-day gestational period yeah see people they'll they'll talk about the three-day gestation period they won't talk about how ravaged troy's skin must have been after rapidly expanding and shrinking in the course of three oh, days. Oh, God. All those stretch marks. Right? I don't even want to think about it. I don't want to think about Troy in general. I don't want to think about <laughs> Star Trek. So. Yeah. I don't even know where to go from here. <laughs> um. So the kid grows up very quickly um it, it picard sees it like the next day or later in the day and it's already like a four-year-old earth child mm -hmm. so it's growing mm -hmm. up very very fast and picard talks to it and he says oh tell me why you're here as to the child that that energy entity that impregnated Troy to begin with and the child says i can't tell you yet which is a very foreboding line <laughs> and you might expect there to be a payoff for that there is not <laughs> yeah um yeah what a stupid line really it, it it's and... a it's a fine line if it led to well, something. yeah if it if it pays off yeah um but yes it, it doesn't i am struck also by how attached troy has become to this child over the course of like a day yes she um instantly once they're in the meeting she's like all right i'm gonna have the kid and from then on her motivations is locked in where right she has no qualms about 
you know, basically being raped or being <laughs> thrust into this role of of a mother. Mm-hmm. And, and he, that's the thing about Troy's character in this episode is that she has basically zero agency or really any emotional depth at all in this absolutely in this episode. So it's very uninteresting to see what happens to her and her relationship with this. I, I mentioned this near the beginning, but her relationship with her son should be the emotional focal point of the episode when really it's just irrelevant. Yeah, totally. And and so much time is spent on this, this I don't know, dangerous radioactive MacGuffin, um, which I, I also have to point out because I, I noted this down, but, um, you know, Gene, Gene always said, you know, we shouldn't be making stories, you know, where like our technology fails us. Right. Right. And um, what do you know? It's it's another it's another tried and true engineering problem episode where, you know, the, the, the entire crux of the conflict is just, oops, something broke with the engine. Well, um, and I, I have to point out that this is uh, the, the first time Jordy has shown his chief engineer and things just go uh, go to hell it's it's this one's a little muddier because they they check the containment unit and they say well there's there doesn't seem to be a problem um and obviously it's just the the energy radiation thing that impregnated troy that is the cause Mm. of the problem i don't know how much this can be levied on geordie on the geordie defense force but yes the, the the all of the tension revolves around oh we are doing this process, and now it's it's failing. We did an oopsie poopsie, right? Which yeah. is also it's, not it's very not interesting. interesting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No. Yeah. I mean, like you said, with Troy not having agency, no one has agency in this. Um, it's it's another traveler type deal where they they meet an alien. The alien decides everything that's going to happen to everyone, and then the alien leaves. At least with the traveler one, we had these promises of an arc for wesley crusher and <laughs> crusher wesley crusher did have some development over the course of that episode whereas with yeah. this when we're, when i'm talking about this it is astounding to me that they had 47 minutes of, of, of script written here it's yeah because there's just nothing happens there's no um conflict in the episode i was about to say there's no antagonist but there's just no conflict there's no consequence for anything. I mean, no. It, everything is left as as it was at the end of this episode. Like like we we left off where it started, and Troy is never affected by this again. Imagine just like three minutes of like I, I guess you'd call it postpartum, maybe, but just some feeling of loss or detachment from Troy mm-hmm. after this kid uh, dies or disappears. It's like oh, you know. I know I didn't know him for that long, but he was a part of me, and now he's gone. Um, something like that. And then Guinan, it would be Guinan, would be would right. say something. Well, you know, all of the atoms in the galaxy are constantly changed <laughs> from one type of matter to the other. So, truly, everything is a part of us. And um, right. Troy would be like, I'm going to have a hot fudge sundae. And Guinan would be like, make that too, and then the episode would end. The uh, the live audience would clap. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah, now that you mention it, that is a scene that's conspicuously absent that really needed to be in there. And it's so easy to write that scene. Hey, yo, it totally is. Wait, you're gonna tell it's, me I mean, you didn't have time because you had to spend three minutes of data data? And this this whole episode could have been very easily written. It's really a wonder that several people looked over the script and said, yeah, that looks good. Yeah. Well, but, you know, then again. It's based on erotica, Gene Erotica. Right, and, right. You know, and you, the... When you're writing erotica, you really you don't have to worry about the ending. Most people are going to finish with it before that. <laughs> oh, absolutely, yes, yes. Um, we have... I just got to do a brief shout-out to the, um, the mention of the saucer sep this episode. Yes, that was good. Although, although, mm -hmm. you know, there's the thing. Um, Riker, <laughs> he's talking to Picard, and he says, oh, we can't get the situation under control. I suggest that we move all non-essential personnel to the saucer and prepare for separation. Or to the other part that's not the saucer, whatever. Um, yeah, no, the saucer. Yeah. yeah. And Picard's like, that's a good idea. Make it so. And then it cuts back to Riker, who does nothing. <laughs> Riker is really, like, off his game this episode, isn't he? He is. He's like, I got a beard now. I don't need to, I don't need to do anything. <laughs> I don't need to give anyone my regards. <laughs> oh, jeez. But that was, that was so conspicuous to me. Make it yeah. so, do nothing. And I, uh, I did not notice that somehow, but... There we go. Now we're one for one here. Yes. On on things we didn't notice about Riker. I'm not gonna lie; these are truly the best parts of these Star Trek episodes. The these um, in uh, that's what I'm looking for. They don't these it's elements that don't fit together that that are just plot holes. Not eh. inconsistencies. Inconsistencies. That's it. That's it. I was thinking incontiguous, and I don't I don't even know if that's a word. Um, Incontinence. <laughs> <laughs> yes um the, the, those are the best because one of us will notice it and the other will be like yes it's exactly it i, I know that exactly right, what you're right. talking about because i'm also just <laughs> retarded and that's all i think about <laughs> just yeah the, the stupidest stuff um so we we are left, I think, with with Wesley um, and his little arc. God, there's more. There's more to this episode, <laughs> and it's still nothing. Good God. So yes, <laughs> Wesley has an arc based on his mother not being on the Enterprise anymore, and what's he gonna do with his life? Mm -hmm. Right. And it's you know he talks to Picard. He talks to Guinan. Um, should I stay on the ship? Should I go somewhere else? Uh, what am I going to do? And he mm -hmm. stays on the ship. And that's it. Yeah. Um, I don't know if you had more to say about that, but... I guess I guess not, really. I mean... I, 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 I guess it was... It was a necessary... Thing to include, because... He was only, like, an acting ensign... Right. Um, and if his mother left the ship, then it would follow that he would also leave the ship. So they had to write around that somehow, right? Well, that's the thing. All the fans were worried. Um, oh, if Dr. Crusher's not here, that means Wesley has to go. Oh, no. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he, he was, he was, I mean, 
Whenever we would run character polls, he was constantly in the top three. Right, right. Um, so that's why we, you know, that's why he stuck around. We could have written him right. out of the show if, you know, we needed to, but we didn't. And he's right, still yeah. Now he's uh, he's he's still gonna be kicking for a while. Um, still but saving the day. The uh, we we end on Wesley. We end on Wesley in uh in in a little, I guess, comedic relief scene on the bridge. And um, you do remember the the scene in the first draft of the script we got, right? Yes, I that was a that was a hit at the table read. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that was that was something. So um for the audience you know we go through Riker asking you know who who will see to his studies um and then and then who will tuck him in at night um but the original script had had Riker asking one more question um that being uh and who will milk him um with of course Troy enthusiastically volunteering herself um you know having just lost a child exactly it was it was it, the bookend it was all tied into kind of that arc um but uh <laughs> I remember Rob uh, just stopped dead in his tracks in the middle of the scene, um, which I guess wasn't hard being in the wheelchair and all. Um, but he, he called John over just, just furious. Right. And uh, for the life of him, John just could not understand that this was not a normal parental obligation. Um, the, the, the milking of one's child. Indeed. Um, but it's uh, what's nice about that original vision, at least, is that would it would have really reinvigorated the the Star Trek fan fiction community? Certainly. Um, so I like that it's by including those those elements that really uh, engage with the fans. You're mm -hmm. you create a more creative, artistic fandom. Um, right, 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 right. As it stands, when you have these more boring scenes, it's uh, well, it's a little more difficult for people to latch onto. So, yeah, well, I mean, you know, I guess I guess in that vein, we already did have have Worf say he was going to tuck Wesley in. Right. So that's true. I guess at that, at that point, it's more of the, the desired genre of the output. Mm hmm. Right. Right. Of course. And. Um, I mean, I, I could I could see a, a Klingon on human child being popular male klingon true yes yes what do you uh what do you think it looks like down there um the klingon yeah um i think... no no the, the young boy <laughs> <laughs> i i think i think a klingon's genitalia would be um a it would be somewhat penis-like it would be phallic with a thin shaft yeah. and then a more bulbous spiked head but it's got to be spiked, right? Right. Um, should, should I look this up? Yeah. Yeah. All right. I think you should. We're going to look it up. Live on Ready the Ready Your Room exclusive. I spelled penis this. wrong. Well, I'm Googling Klingon genitalia. Surprisingly not getting a lot of results here. Did you go to images? Yeah. Here's just a picture of Warp's face. Uh, oh, here's, um, here's... apparently they have a double penis. Oh well, here's something. This is not about their genitalia, but apparently they have a claw growing out of their foot. Uh, which I always thought was just like their shoes, but 
that's not the case. It's an actual. Wait, wait we've never seen Klingon feet. Not bare feet, no. But if you look at their shoes, Weird. they have like a little claw coming out of them. No, 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 Klingon feet. Uh, uh. Um, I guess that's a wash. Yeah, I'm not getting any any images, but they do have a double penis. So, one for each hand, I guess. Yeah, not something we talked about on on set. Uh, we were we were too mature, too uh, involved with with Data's penis, really. Yes. Well. That's um, the dwarf sex scene is the truly interesting mm-hmm. one. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. I mean, wow. That's that's kind of crazy to think about. We've 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 had so much um, so much like Wharf X, you know, someone. Well, Wharf's kind um, of a recently. sex dynamo. Mm-hmm. When you think about it. Yeah, definitely. I mean, he'll he'll yell at you. Yeah, he'll, he'll scream at you. He'll abort your child to yeah. prove, prove it's metal. Yeah, and I mean, come on, women love that. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. So, final thoughts on this episode? I'll just say it was terrible, because it was. <laughs> yeah, it was bad. It was it was bad as an episode, and it was even worse as a way to start off the new season. Yeah. Really, really not uh, not feeling good about it. <laughs> but um, I'd like to say it's only up from here, but it's not. No, it, once we get to season three, we can talk about going up. Right, right, right. But that's but, no. That's another half of a year of our lives. Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm excited. I'm excited for more season two. Um, I think the production value alone is going to carry my interest for a little while, at least. We got Guinan. We got Guinan. That's true. So, yeah, agreed. Terrible episode. Well, that'll do it on that. That will do it on that. Um, my question for you this week. Yes, I'm ready. I got to think about how I want to. Uh, how I want to ask this. Ah. Uh, now is the best time to prepare that. <laughs> I don't know if I can think of a good way to ask this question. Is the answer dwarf? Um It's not dwarf. Yeah, I can't make this into a question. I'm sorry. I just I just found it so funny that I wanted to. All right, um, well, you can give me just a trivia corner. I'm just I'm just going to give you the the trivia, okay? Okay. Um uh, as, as as you know, my my coming up with these questions for you is the the process is just checking the wiki, right? Um, and here's what here's what uh, Memory Alpha says under the article Ian Troy. Um, that's the child under this yeah under the subheading Apocrypha. I'm ready. In the Star Trek Destiny trilogy, Troy's attempts to conceive with Captain Riker after the two transfer to the Titan are hampered because carrying Ian caused previously undetected damage to her reproductive system due to the unique radiation he generated. However, this damage is treated by the Saliar, a highly advanced race, resulting in Troy successfully carrying her daughter to full term. Good God. So what's the point of writing that? 
if I is a novel. It's it's a it's a novel trilogy. So, if you're just gonna say, "Oh, she had uh, a radiated uterus, but it got better," like what? Who cares? Yeah, right, right. I I mean, I don't know. Maybe maybe there was more intrigue in the actual book. I did just read a synopsis of it. Is that the plot of the book? The uh, I don't think Riker it's the and plot. Troy's journey to conceive. I think it's it's a plot. Maybe not the plot. Might be the B plot. Could be the C plot even. Right. Well, that would be the conceived plot. Ah. <laughs> terrible, 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 terrible. I hate Star Trek. Yeah, I um, I, I really do want to want to just grab all of these novels though, um, and yeah. and pour through them. You would have a veritable library of uh, I shelves know. and shelves of books, all of which are Star Trek novels. All of them just of of no value whatsoever to any thinking human being. Get the one of uh, Q and Troy's mom. <laughs> What's the name? Yeah, of that I mean, th I don't know. I don't know. But that that is where you start with like um, unnecessary books about relationships between two like completely unrelated characters. Um, let's see if we can make one up. Uh. Worf's son Alexander has an adventure with the archaeologist woman that Picard met on that pleasure planet. I could literally see that happening. I think like you really just created an actual book. I'm an author. Now all you have to do is shit out like a a, a few hundred pages and you're you're good. You well, should pitch that. I I should I should I'll, I'll collect some royalties on the idea. Uh, once you make an official episode of Star Trek, that's Alexander and Troy's mom that relationship you can do anything mm-hmm mm-hmm wait wait why are we doing alexander and troy's mom because that's an actual episode of tng oh yeah that's right it is yeah yeah oh my god they like go to a spa together in the holodeck <laughs> right 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 oh my god i totally forgot about that i remember i watched that episode while playing mahjong at like 4 a.m and um I don't know if that enhanced my experience of the episode, but it was certainly the worst episode of the series. <laughs> That's impressive. The worst of the series? Yes. I'm aware. Wow. I'd rather wow. watch The Naked now. I'd rather watch the clip show. We'll get to. Well, I, I am excited to get to that episode. There's In the Hall of Fame of baffling Star Trek episodes, TNG episodes, there's that. There's the uh, Dr. Crusher in a haunted mansion with a ghost. Um, <laughs> probably some other ones that are that are equally stupid. Season yeah. seven's a trip. Yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. It'll be a nice bookend. Oh, we were talking about books. Oh, baby. So wow. I, I guess that'll do it for this episode of The Ready Room. Uh, join us next time where we seek season two's salvation and until then everybody please stay ready the troublesome little man child consider that in the history of many worlds there have always been disposable creatures
told him to mind his own damn business. When I stroke the beard, I'll sleep. Do I not appear more intellectual? Computer! Freeze program. It's not a promising beginning, 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 beginning.